be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Slimmer Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Farad Nehru. Hello, hello. And very shortly, Chris Evans. So we have a very packed show for you this evening. We are talking a number of films. We're talking Marriage Story, the new film by Noah Bumbuck, which has a limited release at Ritz, Orpheum, and Dendi, maybe a couple of other places, and is on Netflix from... December 7th, is it? Yes. Yes, I have my notes up here. I will check that in a moment. We are also talking Judy and Punch, which is in cinemas tomorrow, Charlie's Angels, which is in cinemas now, and in a moment, one I just caught, which I think is in cinemas tomorrow, which is Knives Out. Very appropriate for Film Fight Club because the knives are out. Oh, my God. Well, that seems to be the most fun, actually, of all the films we're discussing. So, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen Charlie's Angels. I'm waiting for your review on this. So we are covering Charlie's Angels in a moment. First, we're going to talk about Knives Out, the new film from The Last Jedi director, Rian Johnson. I don't think this will be as controversial as his previous effort. This is starring a smorgasbord of performers, Daniel Craig, Australia's Catherine Langford. Oh, dear, there's Tony Collette is in it, Christopher Plummer, Anita Armas. She is also starring with Daniel Craig in the upcoming No Time to Die, a terribly named Bond film. And many more. And there's an Agatha Christie mystery of sorts where uh, Daniel Craig's Inspector Blanc, with this strange, as is uh, constantly referred to in the film, Kentucky accent, stumbles upon the death of the family patriarch, played by Christopher Plummer, following his 85th birthday. And as Craig's Blanc says, I suspect foul play. Wow. I mean... Oh, and Don Johnson's in this too. Um, Chris Evans is in it. There's a lot of... It's a big, big cast. Okay, when you said it's an Agatha Christie mystery, I didn't get that from the trailer. It didn't give me that vibe at all. It, In the sense that it is a closed-door mystery, so... It, we are led to believe at the beginning that there are only there is, we need so many outlandish, exaggerated characters. We're going to believe that one of them is responsible for the death of the Crystal Plummer character. Okay, this felt like more of a John Wick kind of a story than an Agatha Christie story, but you're not just a like, John Wick kind of. So how does it look? This looks nothing like it's nothing like John Wick but at like, all. It's, it's much like a Knives Out kind of like you know people are throwing knives at each other, and it's actually like more like hateful eight kind of feel. There is a great knife display which is recurring throughout the film, very a la the Joker display in Suicide Squad. This is much better and much better than Suicide Squad. I really like this film. Did you just mention Suicide Squad? You've jinxed it. How can anybody No, no, it's it's nothing. It's nothing like Suicide Squad. (laughs) It's a much better cast. You don't see a lot of traditional detective movies in the style of Poirot and Miss Marple anymore. So this is actually more like a reveal kind of, I mean, a mystery reveal kind of story, like like that Netflix film with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. I didn't see uh, murder, that murder, that murder mystery. mystery movie. I didn't see that, but this is, uh, as, uh, let's believe, a lot better than that. Uh, and it's a novelty that we, I grew up with these, I read dozens, hundreds of these novels, literally, and saw all the films and teleplays growing up. This is in that great tradition. The second contemporaneously, which is a little strange because you don't have the modern advents of mobile phones and whatnot. Uh, to, to a great extent, I'm intruding on the narrative. It is a very traditional one, but it is a very good one for the simple reason that... There are a number of plot twists, a number of exceptional plot twists, which in every one of these stories, you have a detective, you have a Watson type figure, you have an accused, you have suspects. And the film plays very well, particularly given early the second act twist with regards to how these characters pan out and what you expect of them. Okay, main question. Is the mystery good? Is it worth it? Is it actually a strong mystery? 
The mystery is really good. Uh, we are going to be talking in next week in more detail about Knives Out. Maybe we could even do a spoilers discussion. Welcome, Chris Evans. Yes, we, are, we, we can do a spoilers discussion because it is one that is very worth doing a spoilers discussion. It's a difficult one to talk about because there is a f- end of first act and end of second act twist, which upends um, a lot of what makes this extremely exciting. It's by the second half when it gets really, really good because the role of the suspects and or accused and or uh, victim and others the traditional detective roles are very heavily inverted there is also so it's like the murder on the orient express but better but uh, like not the kind of Brenner version well it's it's comparable to murder on the orient express in that it does play with some pretty standard tropes of detective fiction completely different ones than what was covered in what is a much lesser narrative and adaptation uh, I'll say a couple of notes about this film and things I particularly enjoyed. There is an actress who in the second act becomes much more prominent, as does her character in the course of the action. I think this is this particular performer, I won't say who it is, uh, we can discuss it roundabout because, but it, it she is an underrated performer. I've been following her career with great issues. She's doing amazing projects and more and more amazing projects through the years. And I very much look forward to seeing what she's going to be doing over the coming years. There is... Daniel Craig is having an absolute ball. Christopher Plummer, however, is the best in show. He plays a distinct character and one of the best characters I've seen in cinema all year. I can't go into this without spoilers. I can't wait for the spoilers discussion of this. And the best sequence in the film is one that he shares with this particular performer around the the second act. Well, we'll, we can discuss that next week. Me and Verrett will be keen to check it out on the weekend because it's in advanced screenings. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I want to say one last comment on this. And I and I'll be very glad. You guys can challenge me on this once you've seen it. I am clear to hear what you think. But um, I deconstruct. I try to deconstruct this throughout the film. The, the film throughout watching it. I'm someone who just sits there doing detective fiction and thinks, oh, wait, there's a plot hole, but they resolved itself. And I kept following the screening, trying to find things that didn't quite match up or fall apart of that were coincidental. But no, I actually think this fits together there is I, I can't actually identify a fault in the plotting of this film and I'm glad to see particularly during the spoiler discussion if anyone can I was talking to a couple of critics afterwards um, on a couple of issues of concern and there is a couple of relevant points to me which, oh wait actually that falls into place exactly it's a film that re- rewards careful viewing um, obviously in detect- I'm interested in our friend Louise who might see it and then you know would be interested because she's a huge mystery buff so what, oh, what this, she thinks about it this is one of mystery buffs because the seeming asides which you know the whole thing is oh I realised how that was relevant earlier but no, they're actually very carefully crafted the sides, which become extraordinarily relevant later on. That is Knives Out. You've sold me on this. I, I, I actually can't wait to see it again because I know I'm going to pick up other stuff. It is in cinemas from the November 28. And something that is in cinemas now, which we're reviewing, is the new film, the first director, the directorial debut from Elizabeth Banks. No, she actually she directed Pitch Perfect 2, but this is she her did. screenwriting debut. Excuse me, yes. it's a screenwriting debut. She's, she's a triple threat writer, producer, uh, quadruple threat, writer, producer, screenwriter, and actor in... Don't call me Angel. Oh, I, I wish this had a Destiny Style soundtrack. I'd but love instead, that album. Okay, no, Ariana Grande, someone else, and Lana Del Rey. Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. And Lana Del Rey. Right. The triple threat yeah. of, of our modern times. It's grown on me, the title track. Don't call me Angel. It's it's It wasn't it's catchy ca- initially, it, but now it's... kind of catchy, and it's yeah. weird how midway through it becomes a, a typical Lana Del Rey song. It, it does. When, like, it's it been does. a typical Ariana Grande song <laughs> for the rest of it, and they have very different yeah. styles. She has one great song, uh, Bang Bang... I don't know. Yeah. Lana Del Rey. No, I was thinking of Ariana Grande. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Lana Del Rey has a lot of great songs. Okay. And I won't hear a word otherwise. Uh, well, let's not get into this. There's a reason they didn't give me a music show. <laughs> All right. All right. I, I think now my critical appreciation rating is going to plummet quite badly because I'm going to say something which I didn't think I was going to say. This film, 
I actually really enjoyed it. It's fun. It's like old school fun. And I, I've forgotten like how cynical I'd become going to the movies. And this film is not trying hard to be anything else except popcorn entertainment. It knows its demographic. It is having a lot of fun. Kristen Stewart is a lot of fun in a fun role, which she hasn't done in a while. And she Ever, seems to really. be enjoying it. And, when was the last time she did comedy? And there is, you know... Okay, so let me set the scene for you. This reboot or whatever, it doesn't matter. It has the spirit of the original. Uh, basically, we're now in a world of multiple Charlie's Angels. This is basically commodified, much like the 21st century commodity of everything. So Charlie's Angel was successful. So now Charlie deciding that because the original three angels were so successful, he's basically made into a program recruiting all over the world. So now the world is full of angels. So these are just three other angels in this new world with multiple Bosleys. So John Bosley is like a designation now. It's no longer a name of a person. So people have multiple Bosleys like 007, hence you wrote Bosley, a.k.a. a license to kill kind of thing. Patrick Stewart's in this, my favorite. Yes, so Patrick Stewart is playing the original Bosley, which was played by Bill Murray in the previous installment, a.k.a. he's replaced by Patrick Stewart. Uh, and Actually, no, um, Bernie Mac is replaced by Patrick Stewart. Excuse yes, me. Yes, that's correct. Sorry, that's, that is correct. I, I, I do truly hate Full Throttle. It's a terrible film, but <laughs> we have to acknowledge it does exist. It's canon. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll give you that. So the whole plot of this revolves around the fact that the original Bosley, a.k.a. played by Patrick Stewart in this film, has announced his retirement, he's retiring, and handing over the reins to Elizabeth Banks, who plays the new Bosley. And she's also directing, and she's wearing multiple hats and fedoras and everything else in this film. And so he decided to retire, and, you know, basically there was a huge hurrah party. But, hello, hello, as soon as he decided to retire, something goes wrong, and the angels are under attack. And there is a huge mystery threat. There is a weapon called Calypso, which is a global domination energy source, much like the Tesla ripoff battery, which can power an entire city, and that has a flaw and that's when our scientist, uh, played by Naomi Scott, comes in, who is a scientist who's trying to whistleblow on this new energy device. And hence our angels, played by Kristen Stewart and Elena, uh, and Elena Elsa Belinska, come in. And basically Elsa is the fighting expert and Kristen Stewart is the kind of cheeky, you know, you can say she's a Cameron Diaz and she's the Lucy Liu of the thing. No, she's a Drew Barrymore. And so hence, you know, the replacement characters. But they have their own personality. Anyway... They're a lot of fun. Naomi Scott playing the fish out of water routine gets a bit boring. But Kristen Stewart is a lot of fun in doing something cheeky. Belinska is actually the most fun in doing the action sequences. I was surprised because I didn't know that she could act or she had any acting credits to her role as much. But she seems to be the most convincing in the action sequences. And this film is mostly just popcorn entertainment. There is a twist which you didn't see coming and I didn't see coming because I had such low expectations and it did surprise me. So even on the mystery front, on the twist front, it does kind of pay off. But most importantly, this is like old school fun. You go into the movies, you're not expecting anything. You don't, you know, you like, ah, oh, this is a cash cow, cash grabbing kind of exercise. But it's not. It's actually making you feel nostalgic about the good old cheeky camp cinema. Is, it, is there anything as epic as the extended sequence in the first Charlie's Angels from 2000 where Sam Rockwell's dancing with the Coca-Cola, but also they have them flying by helicopter and jump into the ocean and there's all this stuff ancillary going on around it? I mean, as much as it... There is a beautiful disco dancing dance-off between Belinska and Kristen Stewart's character, which is very much reminiscent of Pulp Fiction, uh, a.k.a. the famous John Travolta Uma Thurman dancing scene. But this is way more camp and it's not... But it's fun. It's it's different and it's fun. 
And it's also playing, the dialogues are fun. Like, it's it has that energy of that repartee of the original Angels where they're just riffing off each other. They seem to be having a fun time, and that's what that matters. Okay, so that is Charlie's Angels' fun time. That is in cinemas now. Um, we are going to be talking about Marriage Story following the break. However, we're going to do a one-minute capture review of a film that's premiered at the Sydney Film Festival, Judy and Punch, and subsequently screened at Melbourne, Brisbane, and a number of other festivals. It is in cinemas tomorrow. It is the first directorial debut from Mira Folks. Uh, you can also check out our discussions during the Sydney Film Festival on this film, as well as my interview with Mira Folks, which is on Falcon Screen and the 2SCR page. Um, we're not going into too much detail because we do went into detail about this film quite a bit earlier in the year. I'm not a fan of this picture. Um, it is a set in the 17th, in 16th, 17th century England in a town called Seaside, and it, as stated by the director, is an inversion of the classic Punch and Judy play, just starring Mia Wessakowski and Damon Harriman. I have a number of issues with this film. One is that a reasonable interpretation is that it is has a problematic view of violence as cyclical and cyclical violence more generally. Um, it, it conflate, and that is due in large part to the very strong conflation of tones. Certainly the director described it in the Sydney Film Festival program as has been alluded to previously as batshit crazy. Their film breaks its own rules in terms of what is physically capable in this universe. Um, there are a few things I did enjoy about it. The, the performance from Benedict Harvey and Mia Wesakowska. There's a couple of great lines. But um, yes, we... I know. I think it was the Variety Review referred to this as bracingly original. I we do we have set off in this program that we want films that are original. It's good to try something original, but original does, isn't always good. Yeah, I, I think we would call it just bracing. Period. I think <laughs> you were telling me really earlier in the year that you basically just found this movie ugly and how it was celebrating revenge. Yes, that's a that's a pretty fair assumption of it. And um, it tries to go for comedic tones, but it really doesn't land them. And it was definitely in the worst of our Sydney Film Festival program. It's the worst Australian film I've seen this year. Great. And that is well, that is in cinemas tomorrow. Go see it, everyone. <laughs> and uh, prove, prove, us, prove us wrong. Tell us three dudes why they're wrong about movies. And we will be back in a moment talking all things Marriage Story by the new film by Noah Bumbach. Stay tuned. It's launched. 2SER has launched our online merch store where you can grab yourself some goodies. Featuring some of our latest designs and a couple of our retro t-shirt series. Check it out now at 2SER.com by clicking the merch button. 2SER, stories, ideas, music and shirts. Are you a passionate 2SER supporter but haven't received your t-shirt yet? Give us a call on 9514 9514 or email cat at 2SER.com so we can confirm your address and get that T-shirt to you in time for summer. That's 9514 9514 or cat, K-A-T, at 2SER.com. 2SER, celebrating 40 years of supporter-funded radio. is proud to announce our online store is open. You can find a few of 2SER's classic t-shirt designs now on sale at 2SER.com by clicking on the merch button. We'll be adding more goodies in the future, so keep an eye out. 2SER, stories, ideas, music and merch. On the Money is recommended for mature audiences only. It may and probably will contain explicit financial language, strong business themes, economic violence, coarse financial accounting, nudity, and credit references. 2SCR recommends discreet listening once per week at 7 p.m. Thursdays. 
welcome back to Film Fight Club, where we are talking... So I said earlier that Marriage Story is in Netflix from December 7th to December 6th. It is in limited release now. I caught it at Dendi last night. It is the new film from director Noah Bumbach. We talked about the Myrovitz stories a little while ago, which also premiered on Netflix. It is starring Adam Driver as Charlie. Another film focused on a Charlie this week. And Scott Johansson as Nicole. It is the story of a marriage and a marriage breakdown set in New York and California. I loved this film. It's one of my favorite films of the year. And yeah, first we're going to hear from Chris on what he thought of Marriage Story. The amazing thing about the handling of the screenplay here and the handling of the performances is that your sympathies can easily slide between both of the parties in this relationship. And Bombach really smartly starts the film with the two couples talking about, sorry, the both sides of the, the couple talking about the things they love about the other person. So it's painful to watch these people become more and more um, angry and, you know, at times seemingly at the edge of violently angry towards each other um, when we know that there's a foundation of love there. It's a very, very true story about these circumstances and it takes the perspective that the system brings out the worst in people, um, the system of legal um, complications that govern divorces essentially force people into trying to squeeze out every last drip of blood from the other person. And it's real. I'm, I've worked to an extent, uh, I've solicited by trade, I'm involved in some family law cases and I've certainly worked in firms where with facilities focusing more on that. And for many people, it is a trying and very difficult process, mm. which is... Uh, very viscerally but and very emotively and very well recreated yeah. in this movie. And the, the honesty in this film is, as I was saying before, neither of the parties here are bad people. They've done, they. you can see how they each have sides to them that come out more and more in the film that could aggravate the other person um, over time. But essentially it's just a movie about a, a few little um, bumps, you know, that that have just become too much to overcome. And they're, the characters are both really grounded by just having to look after this kid and what is the right thing to do for their child. Um, yeah, this this film just affected me in in ways that I didn't realize because you know, and it just stays with you afterwards as well in in ways because it just it, it's ruminates so it ruminates within your mind and sort of sort of grows like a bud almost. You know, it has its own kind of effect on you in terms of how it, you relate to it, but. The thing I love about Baumbach and even in even Myrit stories and here again is that he's an expert in magnifying ordinary situations and giving them these extraordinary emotional circumstances. There's a beautiful scene involving tying a shoelace. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which becomes so much more important than just that scene. And there's so multiple scenes in, in this and it's surprising how if you're talking about just a plot, it is just, you know, technically well, a story about a divorce, but in the treatment of it, it becomes such a beautiful character study. It's really, really well directed. The blocking and the framing is so precise in kind of um, showing the relationships between the couple, uh, showing that you know people's distances. It's very simple but very, very elegant. Um, in the the manner like Bombach has reached the top level Woody Allen films in terms of the uh, he, Woody Allen, I would say, is someone who it's easy to compare Bobak to and he's and he's reaching Bobak's deliberate or at least has been deliberate in that in the past. Yes, that's right. But here he's he's with his last two films especially, I feel like in term not just as a writer, but as a director, 
he's reaching the level of Woody Allen at his best, where it it's incredibly precise. Um, the some of the editing and the camera moves is is very surprising for what is at times you know basically just a chamber drama of people arguing in in um, sidebars at lawyers' offices. Um, but the music as well by Randy Newman. Is oh yeah, just, un, 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 uncharacteristic score from Randy Newman. Very yeah, good. Really beautiful jazzy score, um, which incredibly swooning and melancholy, and and such a bold choice for this kind of film. It, it's one of those things that's, that's really separating Baumbach from other people who are making little movies that you're going to watch on streaming about people talking, and that it's earnestly emotional and old fashioned and uh, willing to buck contemporary trends in terms of film scoring and in terms of how these movies are shot. I'd like to return to a comment Chris made at the beginning of the review about how these characters are talking about what they see in their respective partners at the beginning. Mm. This is a very tried story device, but Baumbach doesn't use it to the traditional effect. When they're talking about the others, we're actually learning a lot more about them. And it's Baumbach yeah. is very conscious of this throughout how the characters relate stories about each other. There's another, we talked about animals early in the year, and that has a scene which is, you see many times in film where a character is singing and telling us ostensibly about themselves. There is a scene like that, but again, we are learning more about the other character. We're learning more about their relationship. Yeah. It's incredibly intricately well staged and I can we can wax lyrical about how great Driver is in Johansson Driver is my favourite in the show but what we haven't mentioned my three favourite characters and three favourite scenes in the film are when the characters meet three lawyers all these moments are talking about Ray very Liotta, different characters La- too Laura Dern all- Alan Alder and they're it's, they're all excellent. And then they're Ray Liotta. And they're all yeah. very different types of lawyer and yeah. very different types of person. And somehow some of them are, you know, mean, high powered lawyer types, but yet at the same time sympathetic people at who have their own winning and and likable sides and have good points to make. The movie in general is just a very fair film. No one is vilified. It would be so easy to vilify the lawyers given what they're essentially the process is causing the characters to do to each other and how some of the times the lawyers facilitate and encourage this process. And yet you're able to see their perspective. There's the, the wisdom here to say, okay, this comes from having gone through this situation many times before and, and having fought and knowing what it sometimes has to be done. It's an interesting point uh, we brought up because in a lot of movies about you know marriage breakdown or whatever, the lawyers are usually the catalyst or they're the side characters which are not given enough room to actually become characters in themselves. They're usually plot devices to move the story forward. But here it was so surprising and almost disarming to see that the lawyers themselves are central to the point the movie is making, which is about the institution mm. and how institutions themselves are the problem rather than the people. And hence, it is pretty much a very even character study and not just about the couple who is divorcing, but all the people involved that bring together an institution of marriage and cause it to break it apart. And lawyers are a big part of that. It's not just about that they are you know, acting as props. They're actually... They have emotions too. They have actual sides and they have moral ethics that they have to be a part of and it was interesting to see the lawyers as actual people mm. in a story because you'd never get to see that I, and don't, I don't remember the last film where I actually got to see lawyers as characters well they have to be zealous they have to be at a remove but they have to be absolutely forthright in defense of their client and my favorite scene of the film is actually one that's played over the phone and picking up on that point but also the earlier point about the film toys with our sympathies it's a sequence where laura dern's solicitor calls adam driver's character and i've been on the laura dern side of the conversation 
Mm. I can, and I, watching this, I knew that most viewers would look at this and say, oh, she's having one over on Driver. He's simply was naturally with him. But I'm sitting there thinking, no, wait a minute. What she's doing, I'm not on her side, but I'm sympathetic to her position. I realize that she's not um, being hard on him. She is mm. actually she's actually an incredibly sympathetic position yeah. and is expressing sympathy to him but more than that I loved how um, lawyers and legal drama are depicted in this film the mediation scenes while in beautiful drama are actually more realistic than how, medi- and how mediation is in real life the, co- the scene a later scene involving a more formalized setting is beautifully shot in that it doesn't focus on the traditional you know, trappings of what we might see in a very formalistic legal environment, but we are allowed to simply cut back and forth between uh, the main characters and their advocates. It's very well staged, and aside from a few moments where um, lawyers, the, just for dramatic effect, the lawyers communicate openly with their clients as one would not do, so as so as to not just to, to always zealously advance their interests. Uh, it's very realistically depicted, and um, and refreshingly so. The okay. This film is if in and when just what you said about the scene with Adam Driver and you mentioned how sort of our sympathies are with him in that scene. I would love if that would have been played in person, but it was over the phone. Yeah, yeah. But just in general, I think the perspective of the film is more aligned, I think, with Adam Driver's character, um, which I think is, is somewhat uh, to be expected. He's playing the male director in a film ma- oh, written and directed yeah. by a male director. It's very However, autobiographical, and we've yeah, seen this over the course is. of Bumbuck's career. However, just the but, fact but, that... But still, um, I don't think it's obviously so. That, that's Yeah, that's what I was getting to. The fact that I feel like the film is more aligned with his perspective, yet a lot of the time um, I was thinking, yeah, I totally get what Scarlett Johansson is thinking, sorry, what Nicole is thinking in her grievances with him, speaks to how nuanced and deep this screenplay is. Um, and and Scarlett Johansson's was my favorite performance in the film, and we can have a discussion about. It's, it's I don't beautifully think, acted. I, I don't think she, she was a great actress, but she I, really. She's always been me. great in my view. Okay. There's the one. There's one of the better performances that's to be a different sure. Different fight, but the, she's actually really good in this. And film. her voice works amazing. This is also just an incredibly well plotted film. The situation is really an impossible one where. Charlie is being asked to give up a professional relationship and a, and a professional standing that he's built up over a long time. Um, but at the same time, he has to do what's right for his son. Um, and the, all of the grievances make sense. The situation that's been built up is one that... It's very relatable, tragically. It's, it's relatable, and it, so. and it establishes a lot of legal of drama. Um, so this could have been a really dark and bitter film, but it's one that still is kind of celebrating the love that was there, even to the very end and the in com- this film. And the comedy in it, uh, which is a beauty throughout. It's really funny. It's great. There's one particular sequence where, uh, like I say, an officer of some sorts uh, attends oh, Driver's yeah, yeah, yeah. home. And I was, pure gold. I was thinking about that sequence, which is yeah. at this funny and also sad and also goes to some extreme cinematic lengths. Um, oh, so the, the serving yeah, Bombuck, sequence. He Great. takes he takes risks as a director. He pushes yeah. his scenes like like the musical scenes we were talking about is really extending himself to bring an extra emotional layer into the film. Yeah. It could those could have fallen really flat, and yet they just work perfectly. He's so in control as a director in this film. I mean, I was thinking because the last time or the last thing I remember Randy Newman from was you know the theme Toy song. Story? No, the theme song from The Monk. The Tony, oh. the Tony Shalhoub, you know, it's a, oh, oh, you know, it's show. a jungle out there, you know, and I'm like, oh my god, and that was a thing playing in my head, and I'm like, and then I hear this score, which is 
fascinating and completely changed my perspective of Randy Newman at all. I love but, the way that. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, but there's too much to say about this. Yeah, film. no. But the other thing, the blocking thing that I remember now, it just reminded me of this sort of very '70s style of cinema where you actually pan the. Ca- it's and maybe it's the world the, where the camera actually pans, pans and tracks with the and zooms. Yes, you know where and you it's, you it's actually plan out a scene. Lost arts in terms of how movies are shot. Where? Shot reverse shot, which is done exactly. so commonly these days. You know, shot reverse shot, shot reverse shot. And now yeah. it's the big moment we go to the master. Exactly. No, no Bombach yeah. has really thought things through. One final thought about this film is that I love the way that raising a kid kind of grounds things, you know, like the the way that the kid doesn't necessarily, he's not a cute movie kid, he's sympathetic, but he, you know, his needs have to be attended to and he doesn't necessarily want the things that you want. He's just, he, a lot of the the humor and the tragedy in this is that Adam Driver is not in alignment with what the kid wants or needs, really, and has to yeah. learn to deal with that. And we, and it's a great character because as we come to learn more about him and to question, question whether sympathies lie with him or not, um, I am sorry for throwing this uh, banger in in the last minute, but just to note, one thing that I liked about it but also frustrated me, um, the way Baumbach depicts New York and California, it's clearly a very overt commentary on how he sees New York versus California filmmaking Hollywood more generally. I do agree with a lot of his criticisms, but I think it was a little bit bit pointed and more pointed than necessary and did distract a bit from the narrative having said that um it didn't bother me i thoroughly enjoyed this film i, I recommend d- going i don't out. think that he was too harsh on la personally i mean <laughs> yeah. I, I, I he he is making some pointed jabs about you know hollywood hollywood's bad but i don't think he he's in every um i don't want to spoil the movie but i don't think he's inherently saying that it's impossible to do good work in but it was in LA. it was nice having it tempered with how we come to see the characters and uh, but an inversion given um, how sympathies yeah. change it's and move. It's worth noting that most of the people from LA are really nice in this film. Yes. So, so that is the that is Marriage Story. It is out on Netflix on December 2nd, currently in limited release. Knives Out is in cinemas November 28th. We'll be covering in more detail next week. Judy and Punches in cinemas tomorrow. And Charlie's Angels is out now. It's now. been, a, it's been yeah. a packed week of movie reviews. Stay tuned for The Sonic Assassin. Let us know what you want us to fight about. We have a request for Star Wars we'll be covering in a few weeks when close to when The Rise of Skywalker comes out with Oh, Adam Driver. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, pick a fight with us anytime. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Varat Nehru. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Don't call me Angel.